Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. <laughs> you're gonna Every wake up. I'd... You're gonna wake up your roommates <laughs> <laughs> this time around. Well, good at eight thirty. One of them is studying for the GMAT, though, so I feel kind of bad about that. Um, there's just, <laughs> it's just your somebody's trying to study, and they just hear their roommate like oh! <laughs> <laughs> over through a wall, screaming like, "God damn it, Matt's recording that podcast again." It's just, it's just screaming, and then skip it, Like forty five minutes later, they hear that. <laughs> and how's it going? Dude, it's good, man. It's good. It's um, it's April, April nineteenth. It is. Um, I feel like you and I haven't recorded in a minute because we actually got pretty head on our recordings. Yeah, this feels kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, I hope I hope we do okay. I, I hope know we win. It could be we could be playing on rest <laughs> yeah. or we could be playing on rust. You know what I'm saying? Fuck. Yeah, I think we're doing okay so Bro. far though. Um, I do just want to give a quick shout out though to Dogecoin. Um, single-handedly upholding my portfolio right now um if there's one thing we learned from gamestop it's never underestimate the power of a meme so that's true it's um it's uh that's all i got it's great it's crazy (laughs) that it's just it's going the way that it's going i mean like I, I feel like I, I could jump on right now right i think as of right now what's it sitting at i think most of the day it was sitting at 40 cents and then as it's, a, around, it's hovering around like 35, 40 cents. 35, right 40 cents. So if I jump on right now, it'll go back down to like two cents. 10, you, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. So, so, so I won't I won't buy for the sake of you that are holding all the way to a dollar. All right. Diamond hands to the moon. Feels like January. It feels, feels like GameStop all over again. Except there's nobody that's shorting it, you know? So there's no, there's no real bad guy, right? Yeah. Everyone's just winning. Um, <laughs> Everyone. No, I'm not selling either. I'm, um, it either hits zero I'm either in Dante's Inferno, or um, or you're on the moon. On the moon, yeah. There's, um, there's no in between for this guy. <laughs> now, speaking of traveling to outer space, like to the moon, or maybe even to another star system, maybe Dogecoin to Halcyon. Oh, wait a minute! Are you telling me Lucas that today? We're talking about the number one capitalistic slash anti-capitalistic. Space Adventure, Cowboy Western Simulator, <laughs> Outer Worlds by Obsidian Entertainment. Yes, we are talking oh. about that game. Man, I'm so I'm so glad that we did this game. I I really enjoyed the game so much. I've been stoked on it for a while. I just bought it when it was on sale during the the Steam like winter sales. I'm like, even if we don't do it for the podcast, I knew I wanted to play this game. So I, I'm juiced for this episode. I know you and I both had a good time playing it. Yeah. Um, before I get into it though, I wanna I wanna set the stage for this space epic on par with Interstellar. Oh and, with and, a Space Odyssey and Interstellar, and, um, two of the Star greatest sci- science fiction <laughs> movies of all time. There's just there's nothing better. <laughs> so I'd like to set the stage for the good audience at home. But before we get into things, I'd like to remind everyone, um, you know, maybe you didn't want to hear Outer Worlds this episode. You know, maybe you wanted to hear another game. Uh, you could have emailed us. 
Could have emailed us at uh, thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com, writing with your suggestions, or uh, leave your review. And uh, on the on the review, tell us what you want to hear. And better yet, um, if I were a mixed drink and Lucas was a mixed drink, tell us what mixed drinks do you think we would be? Um, I love that one. Tell us in and, the email. Uh, Tell us in the email, tell us in the review, and maybe you'll get a special shout-out um, before the episode starts. And, of course, follow us on social media, Twitter, TFP Podcast, TFP Podcast with an S at the end. This all ties in. Advertisements, capitalism, outer worlds, believe Dis- me. Wait, wait, wait. Um, D- Discord. Discord. We got a Discord. We got Bro! Discord. We, the Discord's got Discord. popping off. We got, we got two new people in the Discord. I'm going to give a special shout-out to Bubbles. Like he joined over the weekend. Yes. Bubbles or bubble? And bubble, yeah. Johnny Palmer. Bro, thank you so much. Special shout out to Johnny Palmer. Join the Discord. True fan. True fan. Went to high school with Johnny. I've known him since I was uh, quite young. And uh, and he's a fan of the pod. So thank you for, for listening. True fans. How many, How many of, of us? us? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. All right. Without further ado, Outer Worlds. Light spoilers likely ensue throughout the podcast. Lucas and I will do our best to keep things light. Spoiler territory, but regardless, I'm sure it'll happen at some point or another. Outer Worlds. So, the Outer Worlds is set in an alternate universe uh, where President William McKinley was never assassinated. And as a result, Wait, no, Teddy he was. Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. I interrupted. Excuse me? No, no, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh my I, God. I forgot my American history for a second. Keep I'm it. out. <laughs> no, no, no. Continue, <laughs> please. And as a result... Teddy Roosevelt never became president and never broke up large business trusts. The result is a hyper-corporate, class-centric society dominated by megacorporations. Think Amazon and Apple combined. Uh, <laughs> we're in the distant future. They have begun to colonize space and terraform various planets and encourage Earth residents to go and colonize these planets. Now, in the year 2355, the protagonist is awoken from their hibernation on the starship Hope, um, a starship carrying some of the brightest minds Earth has to offer to help the Halcyon system. He's awoken, they are awoken by the mad scientist Phineas Wells. Wells informs the protagonist of the harsh times that have fallen on the colony, and due to the incompetence from the corporations, everything's gone to shit. Mm-hmm. So, the protagonist begins a journey to either empower the corporations to try and fix things their own way, or to take matters into their own hands and to revive the rest of the scientists aboard the Hope and uh, in an attempt to save the Halcyon system. Wow. Wow. Yep. If that's not, that's, a, right. if that's not a, a, a Western, if I ever heard one. <laughs> Hot dog. That's right. I, I, I remember, I'm going to set, I'm going to go back a few years, Matt. Um, okay. I'm gonna, uh, allow me, you know, to go back maybe... What is it? Gonna be 13 years. Okay, mm-hmm. back to 2008. Okay, oh. um, young Lucas is in middle school at the time. Okay, I think uh, th- I'm 13. I think you're maybe 12 at this age. Okay, so yeah, eighth, eighth grade, so. seventh grade, something like that. Okay, you hear about a little game that comes out for the Xbox. Okay, it's called Fallout 3. Right? You don't really get a chance to play it for a little while. Maybe you have heard of it. Some of your friends are playing it, but you don't get a chance to play it for a few years later when you're in the middle of high school, maybe sophomore, junior year, playing on your Xbox 360. Okay. I that's my that's my like Fallout 3 origin story. It's not that interesting. I didn't play it when it first came out because I was a little too young, 
but I got to play it eventually. I think I literally rented the disc from Blockbuster. That's how how many generations Ooh. ago this actually was. Um, no I, I remember I remember playing a lot of Fallout Three and really loving the style of it, um, kind of the dark humor in it, the really wacky tone. Um, it was a little felt a little offbeat with some of like the funny perks and systems, um, and I loved it. You know, absolutely loved that game. A few years later. Um, Fallout New Vegas comes out in 2010. Okay, only two years after Fallout 3 is released. I actually don't even get around to playing that game until college, maybe 2015, 2016. Um, and by that time, really, like, that late for you? That yeah. late, yeah, yeah. I played it on my PC that I had built. Um, all the DLC had come out. I got to play like a, a real good chunk of the game, you know, and it's kind of mastered edition. Um, and it was great. You know, I talked about it with my coworkers like every night at work when I closed. Fallout New Vegas <laughs> just was the shit, you know. Uh, fast forward to 20, uh, 2015, I guess, uh, a little bit after I was done playing Fallout New Vegas, and Fallout 4 is announced and released. Uh, for what I remember, Fallout 4 actually had um, a short window of announcement to roll out. I don't remember it being particularly long. Uh, maybe some video game historians can correct me on this, but I do remember the hype being very, very big for Fallout 4. Had a great trailer, had that classic war War never changes. War changes. Had that classicness Ooh. to it, um, and man, I I made sure to da- like pre-download it, like be ready to play. I cleared my weekend. I decided that I would just play Fallout Four the week that it came out. I so so badly wanted to play this game because I love Fallout Three and Fallout New Vegas. Um, and man, that game was a very disappointing game. You know, I I liked it at the beginning. I actually defended this game in front of other gamers. I, w- I actually defended Fallout 4 at a Smash tournament in front of a bunch of nerds. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. So, Papa Slush, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. You're right. That game was trash. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was an idiot back then for thinking that it wasn't. Uh, one-dimensional, <laughs> really shedding the RPG elements uh, back then. And just the, another settlement needs your help just is etched in my mind as just this lame, repetitive quest thing that you can do inside of Fallout 4. Anyway, fast forward to the next big, like, big game, right? The next big, like, (laughs) the next big game that we play that people are saying, dude, it's like New Vegas, but in space. It's like, they did it. They they did it. They really pulled it off again. Like, (laughs) and I'm like, Really? Is it really? It's like, it's I like don't know. office meme. Like, everyone, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was exactly how I felt. I'm just like, okay, really? Like, they pulled it off. Are you going to? Okay, maybe. And man, I'm now that guy. Yup, it's literally Fallout New Vegas in space. You're a space captain. You have a crew. You fight with robots. You fight monsters. You fight aliens. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So my my... Fallout story is not as glamorous Let's or storied as yours. So, um, I mean, I, I never, I never played the original Fallout. Right? I think I tried like pirating it for my computer. What, the original Fallout? Fallout? Excuse me, not the original Fallout, Fallout, 3. Fallout Three. Yeah, sorry, that, there's a big difference there. I should clarify. I never played um, Fallout Three, which is like the more for I guess the first modern Fallout, right? Uh, I never had the chance to play that one, but in uh, early high school, late middle school, I can't remember exactly when, I did get, excuse me, I did get in to Fallout New Vegas. My whole friend group was picked up the game and was playing it. It's like we all decided to take a, a month's sabbatical for Modern Warfare 2, Search and Destroy, <laughs> and we're like, we're all playing Fallout New Vegas instead. 
So I I had never been so blown away by an like RPG, right? Um I never really played like a lot of these Zelda games growing up or things like that, or, like those kind of RPGs, but I was like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. You know, there was like some background music playing and it was just it was um romantic, some might say, some might dare say. And I, w- I was blown away. Um, and I, after that, I never got into, you know, any more of these kind of like adventure RPGs. I played Skyrim, but that was like the last foray for years, you know, and I heard Fallout 4 wasn't great. Um, I wasn't. even thought about playing Fallout 3, which I heard was also, to be clear, very good, but didn't quite have that same kind of um, maybe tone and like, you know, whatever whatever New, New Vegas had that made it special. Maybe it wasn't there in Fallout 3, so I never gave it a go. Um, fast forward to Christmas 2019, my sister gets a game called The Outer Worlds for Christmas from her family. She's like, hey, yo, hey, yo, Matt. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you like, you liked uh, Fallout New Vegas, right? I'm like, yeah, it was a great game. She's like, the same fools that made Fallout <laughs> New Vegas <laughs> made this game. So immediately it was, uh... It was on my radar very, very quickly after that. And I'd always wanted to play it. And then finally it was on sale for Steam, uh, on Steam. And it picked it up, convinced Luke to do it for the podcast and blown away. Yeah. Um, the, I don't, we don't want to spoil too much, but I mean, this this game lives up to the hype of being the kind of spiritual successor, I think, to Fallout New Vegas. Um, and a beautiful addition into the kind of, you know, I mean, from what I can tell, the great line of games that, that Obsidian Entertainment has consistently spat out in their right. career. Yeah, so. I I love you know I'm I'm usually or at least I, I think I've developed a little bit of skepticism about spiritual successors quote when it comes to these kinds of things. Like sometimes you get the same exact team literally that made a game that you love, and now they're going to get a bunch of money and make quote like the same game or like the spiritual successor. But they like fail or they crash and burn or some something happens like the magic's gone or the idea was innately tied to that time and place that made that thing good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you were paying too much attention, but like Mighty Number no. Nine, for instance, I'm sure like a few light bulbs went off in our audience head. Like Mighty Number no. Nine was the spiritual successor, is the spiritual successor to Mega Man. You know, same original director is going to be like a big deal, got kickstarted, and it was a huge disappointment for many, many people. And sometimes like you think, okay, maybe that that game was so well loved because at the time that was just what we loved in video games or that was just kind of like, it's just all that we had maybe because, you know, I played Fallout 3 like on the Xbox 360 rented it from Blockbuster, you know, how can I regain some of the magic I felt from some of that game in a new modern setting, like playing it on my PC or playing it on like my big screen TV? You know, is it gonna, is it gonna feel the same? Is it gonna be just as fun? And I found that The Outer Worlds was well beyond just a spiritual successor for me. Uh, it's a completely new IP. It's a completely new world. I want more stuff going on in that world. It had so much personality. It had so much dark humor. Uh, it was, it's just a fully realized world. It has like, like Matt said, you know, it's an alternate future United State where mega corporations have taken over. But, you know, we played cyberpunk for those of you that want to listen to that. We did do a cyberpunk episode <laughs> back in, I think, December. Um, you know, that's a mega corporation dystopia game too, but the way the outer worlds handles it is like way more like 
way bigger sense of humor. They like clearly thought out like every single corporation like, oh yeah, this is like the kind of like wholesale, like lame. They make everything, but they make everything kind of crappy. Oh yeah, this is like the pharmaceuticals. Yeah, this, oh, this is the pharmaceuticals company. This is Aunt Cleo's, you know? Oh, this is the company that just makes food, but the food's really bad for you. You know, like they, and, and like there's art to back it all up. There's marketing campaigns, there's slogans behind every corporation. They fully realize like all these little factions so, so well and zeroed in on it. Like each one has color schemes has like personalities behind it people that support it people that work for them it's just i love it that. feels incredibly alive the world yeah it really does um and it's i mean i think we'll be doing this a lot this game or excuse me this podcast but it it reminds me of fallout new vegas in like all the best ways right um it's fun gameplay it has these quirky characters like this black comedy side to it as well yeah great dialogue and some of the for the most part, I feel like the choices make, you know, they feel like they matter. I didn't really get that too much in cyberpunk. Um, and it's just, a <laughs> no, world. No, come on, not at all in <laughs> cyberpunk. Um, it's just, it's just, um, a, a world, a world that feels alive and a gameplay and an experience that is reminiscent to me of Fallout New Vegas, which I haven't like super dove into the genre. Like admittedly, I haven't played, um, you know, Fallout three or, you know, Fallout four, some of these other ones, but like I've played Elder Scrolls Skyrim and I've played New Vegas, which to my understanding are both received pretty universally, extremely well throughout yeah, that kind right. of that world and both of a similar genre. And I consider New Vegas to be the like the pinnacle of the action RPG genre. And this Outer Worlds stands right there next to it, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that that's that's how much I like it. Yeah. I think it's got that they they call it. There, there's a really great documentary that for those of you that have played the Outer Worlds, you want to learn more about it. Um, go check out the Noclip documentary on the Outer Worlds. Uh, Noclip is a fantastic YouTube channel that does uh, gaming documentaries, uh, mostly focused on a lot of game devs or the history of games uh, development for a specific game. Um, check out their YouTube channel. They're awesome. I just subscribed to their Patreon today. Uh, love those guys. Uh, we'll put a link to this specific YouTube video in the Discord channel for those of you that want to check it out. Um, but the two leads of the... of um, the two lead designers of The Outer Worlds uh, are going to be uh, Leonard, I'm going to butcher his last name, Leonard Boyarsky and Tim Kane. Uh, and these two guys, they're a little older. They start, they've been developing games since the 90s, since the early 90s, I believe, starting off with like early Fallout games, Fallout 1 and 2, yeah. and really cutting their teeth and making all the... They, they even say like they have failed before in game design and making games. And that is the reason why they're able to succeed with a game like The Outer Worlds. And they locked themselves in a room for 90 days just to nail down the tone, what they called the Fallout special sauce, which is the like special blend of dark comedy and silliness, you know, where it's like dark, but it's not too dark. It's like dystopian, but it's still very silly, you know, because on, on one end you have like a cyberpunk, which is just all dark. You know, a little humor there to undercut it, but Outer Worlds is like so innately tied, like it's humor and it's darkness that they're just yeah. one and the same. Uh, and I, I really, really gravitate that towards that sort of thing. It's like the perfect amount of like, how do I phrase this? The the way they integrate that kind of humor, the 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 black comedy aspects, and the way the lines are delivered, it. It, it's delivered in the same way that you would deliver it to your friends, right? And it's like the same, like kind of 
no, we're fucked. Everything's fine mentality. That and that's kind of like what is the lit. It was is conveyed really well in so much of this humor and just like this world shit. But like we don't know any better, so we're having a great grand old time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was. Um, yeah, I want to I want to point out there's this hilarious like I don't know if you read a lot of like the computer terminals. Did you read through a lot of those like just messages? Uh, on the probably side? not as many as you. But yeah, I uh, so, I love yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Like I always read through like the extra stuff that you find in a video game and there's like you know the whole the whole setting of the outer worlds is that you're in this like mega corporate run universe where like everyone has to work for a corporation to like live and everything is like so so insanely corporate to the point where it's just ridiculous and silly like i hacked into a terminal and it said you have hacked into this terminal this offense is punishable by death please report to your nearest manager for execution (laughs) <laughs> and it was like, it's just like, what? It says this on a computer screen. Just like, please report to your manager to for immediate termination or execution. It's like, okay. There's so many little things like that, right? Or I remember in the very beginning, um, you can you have the option to help a person out from space or choice. And one of the first things they say when you try and help them is like, well, you know, I, you can't receive medical aid from an off-brand physician. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, you're dying. You're going to die. Yeah. My or, favorite. Go. What do you got? You another one? Oh, uh, then my, I think it's one of my favorite quotes throughout the whole show or game, just because it really sets the tone of like the world they're in. And it's not even like a main story quote. It's just like background, something you hear when you're walking through Groundbreaker from the TVs. You hear from the TV. We not interrupt your regularly scheduled advertisement for the following story. <laughs> it's just so, <laughs> so awesome. So yeah. awesome. I love that. There's, I got one. There's one more that really killed me is like when you're, there's points in the game where you get a disguise and you have to walk around, but sometimes you'll get caught and you have to persuade or threaten or intimidate your way out of getting caught by the guard. And one of the dialogue options to get out of getting caught is, Hey, we're not allowed to talk right now on the job. Like we're not yeah. allowed to, we're not allowed to socialize on duty. And the guy's like, well, I know. And, it's, and then the dialogue choice after that's just like, Hey man, I'm just looking out for you. I got to go. And then you leave the conversation. It's like no talking on jo- on the job. It's great. God, it's just, so, I mean, I think we've already kind of, kind of raved about it quite a bit. Um, so what, was there any moment that like you weren't enjoying this game? There did it did it just like click immediately for you? Yeah, so I I got my when did it click um, actually written out right here. Um, I want to save the the nitpicks for the nitpick section of the end because I do I do have a, a pretty clear cut nitpick section. Um, actually, I think I've kind of previewed you to it a little bit, but I, I will save it for that for the ending there. For me, when it clicked, um, honestly, was pretty much immediately like in the character building screen when you're going, when you're starting to like build out your character and everything, it's because we've played games like Fallout 3 at New Vegas or Skyrim or whatever, you you know how to build your character, you know what stats are kind of going to do what. And I think that's like, that's what's pretty great. The, the, the two lead designers on the Noclip documentary actually talked about this mentality. You know, how do you take a game and, you know, this specific genre, this kind of action RPG genre that's o- open world, you know, kind of go wherever, do whatever, uh, massive freedom to kill whoever you want to kill. Um, that sort of like that type of game is so has been played by so many people. How do you take something new, make it feel fresh, uh, get through it? How do you, I think the metaphor that they used actually, I think it was Tim Kane that says it in the documentary is think of an RPG, like a mountain, you know, some people are going to mountain climate some people are going to like bike up it some people are just going to hike up it at a slow pace but there's also a road 
on the other end of the mountain where you can kind of just drive up there, like shortcut it. You have to make your game have the availability to do all those sorts of things. Some people can play in a challenging sort of way, a more unique way, but ultimately the view at the top is always going to be the same. You know, um, and I think that's a really great metaphor for the whole thing. You know, you want to appeal to a mass audience, a huge audience, especially for a game that's as big as this and can be played for as long as it can be played for. You know, you do want your audience to actually have all this freedom of choice and, and try all these different things for the game. So anyway, long story short, it clicks for me immediately. <laughs> how did it how, how quickly did it click for you? Yeah, yeah. Pretty, I mean, uh, pretty much immediately right away. So I, I knew there was going to be one thing that was going to make me realize, or I knew immediately how I was going to tell if I was going to really fuck with this game or not. <laughs> so the very first guy you meet, the guy from Spacer's Choice that is in like basically the tutorial area cave that you walk through. I meet him. I do have a little dialogue. That I look at him. I do a quick save on my game. And then I, and then I shoot him in the head. <laughs> 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 I'm like, yo! They didn't kill anyone in this game. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll tell you why that's important to me. <laughs> it's not for being able to, you know, barring Phineas, I mean, from what I can tell, you could kill literally anyone in that game. And that's important to me because, especially right after we played something like Cyberpunk, the whole time I was playing Cyberpunk, I was comparing it to Fallout New Vegas, right? Right. And I, I kept, because I mean, like I mentioned before, to me, Fallout New Vegas, from what I've experienced in the genre, is like the pinnacle of action RPG. And one of the things that made Fallout New Vegas so special to me is that that was the first time I played a video game where I felt like I could just do whatever the hell I want, have full free room to do whatever I want, kill whoever I want. Not so much because you, you know, you want to run around and kill everyone. You know, if you want to do that, you'll play like Grand Theft Auto, right? But yeah. because it gave you the ability to like, if you don't like how someone's treating you in the game, like, and it, even if they're part of the story, you know, if you think they're a dick, you can go ahead and take care of them. Right. Yeah. And that kind of agency is so unique to me in gaming because a game like cyberpunk, you know, that was advertised to be like the next big action RPG. Right. And how does this hype build up around it? It's like, it, even though you do have a lot of choices you can make, um, it's, it, it feels very linear for the most part in that game. Um, because it, it is yeah and to be fair like even if you do you know kill somebody you're supposed to talk to in in um outer worlds like you'll still you'll search their body and then you'll find like a piece of like um like a notebook or something that tells you what you need to know but still having that option to kind of shape the world how you want and to build up these reputations that actually matter in the world i feel like a little bit more than they yeah for sure um that was something that that agency is so important to me in video games. Um, I think it's been kind of my like theme on this podcast is I love games that like you kind of create the story and choose your own story. Like I love games like Ox and Free. I love this game. I love um, Doki Doki, Detroit Become Humans, Telltale. Those are like my favorite genres. And this game is right up in there for me because of that agency it gives you to play the game the way you want to play the game. Um, Juice. Juice. <laughs> Juice. That's Juice right. The whole time playing it. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, anything else? On well, I was just going to, just kind of going into a little bit more to like, it just feels good to play, you know, because I, I love the spin they do on what would be in a Fallout game, the bat system, right? You know? Yeah. Tactical um, time dilation. Tactical. I totally forgot what it was called. I just kept calling it time slow. <laughs> tactical time dilation where. Very similar to VATS in the sense that, you know, you you slow things down, whereas VATS is a 
full stop if I remember correctly. And kind of like a manual, like almost like a turn-based RPG at that point, you select where you want to hit and you see like the likelihood of it hitting. Whereas with the time-based dilation, right? Time-based dilation? Time, tactical time dilation. Tactical time, with the tactical time <laughs> dilation, it, um, it slows things down almost like you're the flash or something, right? And then you can very carefully aim and they can see what effect it'll have if you shoot someone or you can cripple them temporarily or you can blind them, little things like that. So it, 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 it clicked immediately for me because of those like little simple mechanics that I felt so familiar but new at the same time. All right. Juiced. 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 Yeah, I agree with you on that one. The time dilation is a great alternative to VATS. Like it's, it's pretty much like the great middle ground between it, you know, um, it's allows you to be like very active with the way you fight, allows you to like, feel like you're doing a lot more, but you know, it still kind of scratches that itch that you need in a game like this. So it's pretty much perfect. Um, game design. How are you feeling about game design? Bruh. I think this was all, pretty much all game design right there, right? I mean, it, that was a lot of game design. That, that right pretty much there, was, yeah. yeah I, um, I, I just got a few things here um, that I just want to talk about. You know, is like the combat itself actually feels pretty great. Um, I, I do. I think the last game that we played that was like this was Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. So you're gonna hear a lot of comparisons to it um, naturally, I believe, but. You know, th this combat actually feels like snappier. It feels like it's run by like better systems. Uh, and when I say better, I mean like they're at the same time like streamlined and simplified, but also more fun in that regard. Whereas like Cyberpunk had like, I mean, I guess the equivalent was like the hacking, like the kind of uh, quick hack stuff would be like the sure. equivalent of, of like your tactical time dilation or something. Um, and you had different guns, you had modifications on guns, but this one just like kind of streamlines things, like at least Outer Worlds streamlines things so it's like a lot better. Melee combat feels a lot better. Your dash feels good in this game. Um, you know, the healing uh, doesn't feel like, it feels better than the healing does in 2077 because this healing is like a heal over time inhaler thing where right. you actually like, you, you have to actually use it in a smart way. You actually have to use it, take cover, run, use it tactical time dilation out, especially in some of the harder fights. So the fights actually end up being a lot of fun because you end up having I, to make all these... I decisions. died in this game way more times than I died in... Uh, in Cyberpunk? Cyberpunk, yeah. Because yeah, it was actually a bit more challenging in that regard. Yeah, and um, the AI wasn't dumb as hell either in yeah, this game. Right? The AI actually <laughs> knew knew what to do to kill you. Yeah, yeah. The... Um, I mean, the game as a whole, I mean, obviously we've praised it a lot, obviously, so far. But to be fair, it is kind of what you would expect out of a game like this. I mean, whether you're playing Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Cyberpunk, or you know, Outer Worlds, you're going to have your fair bit of, like, go-fetch quests, basically, is what I call them. Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, oh, go get this, you know, secret computer code, and then I'll tell you what you need to know, or little things like that. Yeah. And there's actually one point, though, and this kind of makes me forgive it, because um, that's, like, one of, like, the cardinal game since i think is the quest like that or i mean every game is gonna have quests like that but a huge amount and the they actually call it out at one point i forget what the guy's name is but so when you're on a monarch and you're trying to set up the like radio communications and the guy's like all right last thing i need you to do is just uh jump outside and uh turn on turn on the thing for me the the tent. oh yeah yeah and he's like and no, like no whole, nothing's gonna happen <laughs> it turns out it's like a whole drawn out dialogue he's like your character's like, uh-huh, and then I have to go to another planet. Yeah. And then I have to go. And it's like, dog, just just go turn it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And you like it's funny too because they it's like 
as a gamer in that particular moment, you know, you're told to leave the the building that you're in to go outside to just go flip a switch. And you know that there's going to be some sort of cutscene there as a gamer. You're like, okay, I'm clearly getting pushed to go outside to to do the thing because something's going to happen out there. Like we're going to get attacked or something. And he kind of plays into it like, yeah, just go out there. It's not a big deal. Just just do it. (laughs) it And you're like, why? Why can't you just turn on from here? No, no, you got to go out there. Just go out there. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, there's a huge story beat, like, a spaceship crashes, and, like, there's a huge dialogue tree. It's, like, it's a whole moment out there. So that was a – I forgot about that moment. That was a great moment. Yeah, it's almost like a little wink from the developers to the player, I feel like. Like, yeah, yeah we, know what, we know what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. Um, that was great. And then I really, really enjoyed the companion system and the companion interactions as a whole. I, I, I thought that was super fun, and I thought, you know, the, the companion abilities were... OP? Um, I actually didn't find them terribly OP. Oh, dude. On, I thought... I, f- I thought they were they were OP once you got the perks to, like, let you reset them really quickly. Yeah, that's what I did. But up to that point, they were pretty, like, uh, balanced, in my opinion, or, like, a fair... Um, cooldown fair ability. Bonus, like a f- cooldown ability, yeah. yeah. Um, but just, like, the little interactions with the companions is so great, and... There'd be so many moments where I'm like having, where I'm having a conversation with, you know, a main character in the story and all of a sudden Felix says some dumb shit, you know, or something. You had Felix <laughs> had, the whole time, huh? Yeah. I yeah. had for the most, on Monarch, I mostly had, um, Nyoka, uh, what, Nyoka and, um, the robot. Oh, the Sam. Robot. Sam. Yeah. But then barring that the rest of the time, I pretty much just had, um, Parvati and Felix. And those two were just like, just the way they played off each other was so fun and the way they would just interact a little bit with your story. And I even played their like side quests a little bit. I found them a lot of fun too. Um, that was awesome. And then the perk system, the perk system I, I really enjoyed moreover what I loved. Cause I mean, any good RPG borderlands, you know, whatever fallout Skyrim cyberpunk has a perk system in some capacity. that lets you play right. the game the way you want. What this game did that, I mean, Lucas, maybe you've seen it elsewhere, but I haven't seen it at all, is they had a, like, flaw, a phobia system. Where, oh, I loved that system. Yeah, yeah. Where in exchange for, you know, in certain situations, you would lose um, certain skill attributes like dexterity or you would take more, like, for example, um, let's say you're fighting these things called raptodons, right? And the raptodons, what they do is these like, spit, some of them spit, like, acid goo at you. Um, if you experience that enough, your character will get a, you'll get like a message and be like, oh, the board has discovered a flaw with you. Yeah. You have whatever the phobia word for is for Rapt- being. Raptodonphobia. Raptodonphobia, you know, yeah. where you can get a perk point, but in exchange for getting a perk point, whenever you encounter raptodons, you'll take more damage or you'll take more corrosive damage from their acid spit, things like that. Right. And I thought that was such a clever system because I hadn't, I hadn't seen things in games like that where it's very. Um, in my opinion, what I honestly thought is a very fair exchange because a lot of times it's like, yeah, of course I'll take the power up for this little downfall, but it's like, well, I'm kind of finding a lot of raptodons right now. Yeah, I'm already yeah. getting fucked up. By yeah, it. I don't want to really push that envelope anymore. Exactly. Um, so I, I really liked that system, and I thought it was very, I don't know, pretty interesting dynamic to the gameplay. I, I agree. I actually wish I got more of those. I wish that like right. it got more to the extreme. I think I might have picked up like three, maybe four. Um, but I wanted to get like 10 yeah, of they those. They weren't super common. Yeah. I wanted to get like 10 of those opportunities where it was just like, oh my God, I'm, I'm afraid of robots, raptodons, uh, the other things, uh, the big colossal things. I forget. I think they were just called Colossus. 
or whatever. The big ones that were oh, on the Oh, Manta Queens. Uh, was it those? Uh, like, I, I would love, it might have been that. Um, yeah. I just would have loved like to have a character that had a bunch of weaknesses in one direction, like basically couldn't fight anybody because they were like just weak against them. Yeah, but then they had yeah. all these crazy perks to like make up for it. I think that would have been really fun. Um, yeah. More, I would have loved more of those. But yeah, um, just to kind of go off what you were saying, you know, like being able to play how you want to play as far as like the perks and the specialization is always a really great feeling. But gameplay wise, game design wise, you know, the branching pathways for all the quests are like amazing. It's crazy yeah. that a quest can be started halfway through where you might not logically start it, right? So let's say the fetch, like, here's the thing is, you know, this game does have a few fetch quests here and there where, hey, um, I'm going to give you a quest. You got to go to this warehouse. Uh, a guy died. I, I sent a guy there. The guy hasn't come back. He has this passcode. I need the passcode for the thing, right? Pretty standard quest line. Well, if you didn't pick up the quest line from person A and you instead go to that warehouse for another quest line, you could end up starting the, the other quest line there by finding the body first or finding the, the security terminal first or hacking something or looting a body or looting a chest. Like the fact that a quest can be started from the midway, what would be considered the logical midway point of the quest, uh, like a fetch, a fetch quest like that, is so is such an empowering feeling as a gamer where you're like, oh yeah, like I found the a body first, but there's like some mysterious code that's left on the body what do I do with this, you know? And then you can turn that quest later. One, it feels like you're saving time and kind of shortcutting your way to get more experience quicker. But on the other hand, it also feels like, oh, this is the logical way this might play out, you know? Right, so it's yeah, really you cool. stumble upon something. Yeah, yeah you, it gives you the organic feeling of stumbling upon something, for sure. So I love that aspect of the game design. Yeah, super, super great game design overall. Um, art style. Yes, art style. Um, so, okay, this game runs on Unreal 4. Okay, Unreal Engine 4. Um, I think it's the first game that this particular team did use, or the, the first game this team used in Unreal 4. Um, so it's pretty standard as far as, like, if you're used to what that looks like, then you're going to be used to the way this game looks. It's not, like, completely setting a new standard for an aesthetic or creating a whole new, like, whole new way that something looks. You know, not like Breath of the Wild style or um, <clears throat> cyber cyberpunk style. Uh, with uh, it's a, it's amazing art style. But you know, <laughs> I think that the outside of the actual graphics of the game itself, which to me are pretty run of the mill, very standard, just because it's running off of a very you know common engine. Um, I think the art style is really great in terms of like tone, in terms of like concept, in terms of like loading screens and things that you find. Um, like posters or like art or books and stuff like there's so many things in the game inside of like the art style within the world of the game that are really really cool like the loading screens are all like comic booky and like 19 like early like mid-century comic book style or it's like the anatomy of the monsters that you're fighting yeah which is also like kind of turn of the century Here, here's the the cool thing is like the the vision they were going for with the style of the outer worlds was like western Right, it's so like space western. They actually like did like this whole like Firefly meets Fallout. You know, Matt, I don't know if you ever seen Firefly, but it's kind of like a classic um, science fiction series that's kind of like a western science fiction show. Um, and that's exactly like what the Outer Worlds really felt like. You know, it's a western style turn of the century. Um, you know, outward expansion, colonialization, like Wild West theme setting it. it literally everything fits in with that theme too like all the advertisements all the companies all the all the corporations that are kind of around 
um even like the anatomy of the monsters that you see in the loading screens for the art style like the anatomy those are like classic kind of like you know anatomy books that you might see like in a late 1800s book you yeah, know 100%. it's yeah or like a late 1900s no late 1800s book that's right um so i really love the art style for those kinds of things for sure yeah i mean i i think you said it perfectly it's the the graphics themselves they're not you know i mean it's not insanely high def or anything right it's not um super groundbreaking by any means kind of like how the similar obsidian games were like you know fallout for example right nothing was right. particularly fallout new vegas i mean with how it looks nothing is particularly um groundbreaking about it but what does really stand out about it to me is the like set design of things right um and just kind of like how well everything's put together and kind of like the layout of the lands and the world and stuff i thought that was really cool and something i really enjoyed it was kind of a similar to the feedback and kind of how you and i both thought about um titanfall 2 right yeah the graphics themselves were incredible but like the set pieces were really good and the set design yeah. was awesome. And God, I'm getting, that was a really I agree. good game. Yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> it was sick. Um, I agree. The, I agree. Yeah. The everything color, came together really well. Yeah. The colors. Exactly. That's, that's the thing that really sets it apart from like, especially the fallout series is like those games are kind of notoriously monotone and like just yeah. dark and grimy and like, you know, not very like poppy or anything like that, but the colors in the outer worlds are just amazing. Like everything's saturated very well, very bright. You're on these kind of lush planets, some of them. And even the cover. Yeah. Did I say Outer Wilds again? Oh, I think yeah, I did. Have, oh yeah. my god. Okay. I knew that would happen. Fun okay. fact. <laughs> yeah, we've been a little little side note and this is brought up in the in the what's the name of the documentary again? Uh no no clip documentary. Did they talk no about it? Documentary. Did they talk about they, they talked about it in in the Outer Worlds one or the Outer Wilds? In the Outer both. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just for a little quick backstory, side story, the, another game that I did for this podcast, one of the first ones we did, um, Outer Wilds was one that came out right around the same time in 2019 as this game, the Outer Worlds did. And right. both games were constantly confused with one another. I'm um, just from a name basis and yeah, thankfully I both have, were very successful. Right? I've mixed uh, them up is the problem. Yeah, I mean, Lucas and I will be talking about these this game in particular because it's what we're doing right now in like past conversation. Then we'll be like Outer Wilds, Outer Worlds, yeah. uh, Outer whatever. <laughs> the just, last month, it's just like, yo, how far are you in Outer Wilds? Um, outer Worlds, bro? It's just like, <laughs> fuck, not again. <laughs> it's, just, uh, <laughs> it's been happening all month. But uh, yeah. anyway, yeah, the uh, Outer Worlds, if you look at even the cover, of it, uh, it's like totally setting a different art style precedent from like mm -hmm. the old like fallouts and stuff like that. It's like very bright, it's very expansive. It it even looks like a Western in that regard, right? Where like the landscapes kind of go way out and they're like very big and the world the world doesn't feel like small and connected. It doesn't feel like a vault, like fallout style, yeah. you know? It doesn't feel like you're yeah. in a tunnel or a cave. You're it's always outside, you're always outside. Expansive. Yeah, unless, yeah, unless you go into a building, you're pretty much always taking place like outside, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And something that I really loved that really stood out to me in this game is like one of my favorite moments was um, when you first get to the groundbreaker and you see when you first open the doors to like kind of the main area. Yeah. It's just like this flooding of like advertisements, lights, like yeah. all these um, like holographic signs basically. And it was just, it, it really reminded me of 
when you see the strip for the first time in uh, Fallout New Vegas, and I got that same vibe from it. Yeah, and, uh, it was dope. I really, yeah. I really, that was a very standout moment for me in this game. Awesome. All right, moving on to sound design. I don't have too much to say for sound design. Actually, yeah, the, me neither. I thought the voice acting was really good. I'll, I'll say that. Um, I, I think everyone. I can't think of one bad performance actually. So I, that's that's big ups to them. Um, I mean, the music was good, but no, it didn't particularly stand out to me. I guess I would say. Yeah, I was gonna pretty much say the same thing. Uh, the voice acting is really cool in this game. I love that they took the time to actually mix up all the voice actors on a lot of the characters. Like, there's nothing worse than playing a gigantic game and you hear the same guy's voice like on multiple yeah. people all the time, yeah. and like. You know, Bethesda has been has known to do that in the past. And this one, I don't think I caught a single point where they use like the same voice actor, which is pretty great. Um, So props, props to the sound team for 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 taking good care of that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, the music, you know, I think the main theme is really great. Like the menu theme is pretty cool. But the, you know, music just just doesn't pop up a lot in a game like this. You know, there's not a lot of moments where you can kind of bask in in some good music, um, not like a game like Journey or like Breath of the Wild or something. Uh, so, yeah. you know, sound design, it, it is what it is. It's not bad. It's, you know, obviously the guns sound great. The explosions sound good. Uh, everything kind of sounds the way it's supposed to sound. So um, just kind of straight ahead stuff here. Um, all right. The NPC award. Uh, man, this was a tough award to give out. I think, this, was, yeah. I think this game has had more NPCs than any other game that we've done. Um, but you know, I gotta. I'll go first. I really gotta give this one to uh, Pavardi, uh, or Parvati. Parvati. Uh, Parvati. Uh, she was awesome. I loved her. She's my favorite companion. I never took her out of my party. Uh, super sweet. Really great. Um, and this is. I don't know if you talked to her or did like these dialogue choices. Uh, there was an awesome quest where you actually get her drunk or you get her yeah. a little buzz yeah, yeah, yeah. and you get her to go talk to uh, Julie Tennyson, uh, who is like the captain of the Groundbreaker, and you learn that like Parvati is asexual. So like this is actually really. I think this is really cool of the developers here. Like that's actually an identity that's completely never. I don't. I don't think has been represented in games. Like somebody that's explicitly like an asexual character. That doesn't like really happen in video games a lot. Like you, you're. We're starting to enter the realm in representation in popular culture where we are getting like homosexual characters. Um, we are getting even some trans characters. There's even like a lot of that kind of going on in cyberpunk. But for someone to be like, oh no, like. I don't want to sleep with that person. That's like not like even Pavardi, like in those dialogue trees, like couldn't even articulate necessarily what she was. She didn't explicitly say I am asexual. It was just yeah. like, oh, I'm like, I don't feel that way about people. Don't you tease me in my moment of weakness. You know, I'm not interested in physical affection. That's well, it's tripped folks up in the past. Folks I thought cared about me for me. What if she's not okay with that? What if she is, but then later, she's not? Like, that's not what I like in people. And I was like, dang, this is kind of like extra woke, these these, these writers, it's pretty <laughs> sick. Um, and then she ends up, uh, I don't know if you got this ending, but spoiler alert, she actually ends up kind of forming a connection and, and like there's she falls in love with the on-ship computer in my ending for her. 
Yeah, um, same with mine. Yeah, cool. I'm glad. And that, I think I don't know. I I think that that's like is really surprisingly heartwarming um, and just super interesting because it's kind of going that direction of like, you know, she is like an asexual character explicitly in this video game, and she ends up kind of falling in love and being the captain of a ship with an onboard computer. I think that's just like an, a something we haven't explored. That's really interesting. I don't know. Um, so for that, she gets the MPC award for representing. Uh, that identity, and uh, thank you, Parvati, for fighting with me um, and your awesome companion ability. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I had Parvati also, but oh, really? Um, yeah, uh. <laughs> but I, I also had a backup in case we had the same one because I want to give a little bit of a breath to the to the podcast here. But I love Parvati, Parvati, for all the same reasons you do. I think she's an awesome character, awesome representation, awesome everything. But God damn it, I gotta give a shout out to my boy Felix. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that comes out of his mouth is just so stupid and funny. And um I don't know, like I I imagine myself in space would be like, Felix. I feel like I'd be a little bit of Felix in that kind of world. Like and the way he just shows up out of nowhere, like most like the companion quest is at least somewhat involved. Like you kinda have to do something with them or like they're part of like a specific quest line and that's why they join your party. Felix just shows up in front of your ship, like, hey, um I need a job. Like reading from a note paper, <laughs> uh, you should hire me. And it's like he has like little like dialogue trees, like, oh god, rejection. Um Good point. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> he was great. You know, little, little things like that. And he's just so funny. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I loved every little, sh- everything he had to say. I thought it was funny as hell. I love before the final like assault on uh, Tartarus. He, uh, he like there, there's like a meeting with your whole like crew, and Felix is just like, "Hey man, but uh, what am I here to do? I'm here to fight with you." Like he just, yeah. he's, he just <laughs> basically like doesn't give any sort of reason not to go in and like to a suicide mission. He's just like, yeah, Hey, he's hey, like, we yeah. just got to charge. We in. just got to go in. We got guns. Yeah. We got <laughs> guns. We're going, we got guns. What else do we need? Got my trusty toss ball stick. Got my ass kicking boots. I'm ready, boss. It's like, like we got guns. Dude. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we friend. This guy's or such like, a dumbass. <laughs> I don't know if you got this dialogue. Like I, I, I tried to, um, initially I wanted to try and skip, the hope starship into um like skip it myself rather than using the computer yeah for context skipping being like doing kind of like a um like a light speed type thing basically yeah in the context of the game um and <laughs> i have like a pretty high intelligence but even after i say that felix is just like well worst ways to go i guess <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man, have some faith. And then it's like I don't have the high enough thing to go through with it. But like, yeah, he was he was so fun. He's just such a fun character to have, and I I I really do feel like maybe not quite to the as reckless degree as him, but I think my humor and kind of my mentality and approach to that world probably would have been similar as his. I really (laughs) I really really (laughs) I could agree Um, as your friend. I I agree. Yeah. (laughs) Companion piece. All right. Companion piece. Uh, you go. You go first. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, let me candid here with y'all. Before Lucas and I were doing our little, you know, pre pre podcast meeting, I say, I say, ah oh, shit, I forgot to give a companion piece. <laughs> so um, this one may not be as well thought out as some of my other ones have been, such as the only one on the Doki Doki episode. Great podcast, you should go listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got I got a hot movie for you, Lucas. Okay, let's hear it. 
Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland, Chaos Walking. <laughs> what the fuck? What movie is that? Well, I have, I've never it's even heard Chaos of it. Chaos Walking, bro. It's just like, you know, a bunch of humans are out, you know, inhabiting this is a movie? planets. It's a movie. Um, Based off a book, I think. I don't know. I got AMC Movie Pass and the movie's reopened, so my roommates are kind of, and I, there's not a lot that's out there out, right now. That's out? That's a current movie that's out? Yes. Um, and there's not wow. a lot out there right now, so my roommates and I will kind of see anything because um, we all have AMC A-lister pass, so we get like three a, a week or whatever. Um, I would have seen it anyway, probably because I love Tom Holland. Um, I, I enjoy his acting, but you should um, okay. watch it, maybe. Okay. It's a space movie, and they're inhabiting, and they're, there's colonies, and that's what I got for All right, today. yeah, love it. <laughs> I, I'll, it, was I'll, okay, I'll, it was okay. Movie. Okay, I'll try and catch it on the on the you know when it hits Netflix or something. Maybe I'll turn Spoiler on. Spoiler alert: He never watched it. <laughs> All right, uh, companion piece pick from companion piece pick for me is going to be da, 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 True Grit, 2010, written for the screen by uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, Western story of revenge, starring Matt Damon and Jeff Bridges. You know kind of a weird pick right uh outer worlds oh shit i have seen this yeah it's been ages sick movie sick movie rewatch it it's worth a rewatch it's very very good i rewatched it a couple years ago i I still really love it um you know uh the outer worlds is a science fiction uh video game obviously but you know it's science fiction it's it's western science fiction which has become a genre in and of itself um you know over the years and um i really really love the western tone I love the Western genre as a whole, um, and I think, and I love science fiction as well. When you combine the two, you really get this cool kind of like vibe of, you know, lone wanderer style things, like kind of hired gun, um, legend, mythology, um, rumors, towns, uh, outskirts, and stuff like that. And I think this game really nails all the cool genre conventions of a Western. You know, like. Even the whole thing, like, I don't know if, I'm sure that this is the ending for everybody, Matt, but it's like, when you leave, you kind of become like this legendary, like mysterious stranger, like that just the, the story of the, the captain of the unreliable becomes legend within the Halcyon system. That's kind of how the whole game wraps up, which is totally a Western genre convention where it's like, oh yeah, then he just left town and we never saw him again. Yeah. Yeah, It's kind of that thing. And I I don't know. True Grit, I know, isn't explicitly like that, but that's my favorite Western in recent memory. Um, And everybody here should watch everything by the Coens anyway. So that's my companion piece pick. Moving on. One last one's here. Favorite moment, Matthew. So for me, it actually really was the moment when I first saw a groundbreaker. I mean, this move, this this game has so many good little story beats and little things from like Felix Parvati or like whoever you're with and the characters you meet. Um, but I, I don't know what it was, but that moment just really like captured me, and I was like, "This game's gonna be sick throughout." Um, and it and it was. Yeah. All right. Um, my favorite moment's like a lot more small <laughs> in that moment. I did love that moment too when you board the groundbreaker and do all that stuff. But my favorite, I. I forgot the name of the quest, um, but there's a quest line on Monarch that I stumbled into um, where you get trapped in this house. Did you do that one? I don't think I did. Oh, dude. Okay, so there's a quest line on Monarch. I'm traveling around in one of the abandoned towns that's been just completely destroyed. Um, you step in this house, and there's a family there. And you walk in, and they're just like, oh, hey. Hey, stay for dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Oh, yeah, just, just chill. Just stay for dinner. And you turn around, the door's locked. 
And they're just like, oh, yeah, we won't let you leave on an empty stomach. And, like, huh. you just get trapped in this house with this family. And you, like, talk. There's, like, a son, a daughter, and two parents. And you go around, you, like, talk, and you investigate. Turns out they're cannibals. There's a dead body upstairs. <laughs> they're just chopping up. And you, like, pickpocket somebody. Like, what you're supposed to do is, like, hack the upstairs like lock pick the upstairs bedroom and then you see a dead body and then you do it but i just ended up like killing the daughter and then getting the key and going into her bedroom and doing all that stuff so like you're in a pretty big house and it's really small and condensed but you just have this like weird storyline and then you go find out the dead body is like an employee at the local like importer exporter like port place on monarch and you go there and then like the boss basically like god no wonder he didn't show up for work (laughs) he's getting eaten by this cannibal family and i it just felt so like i love this whole moment this whole quest line because it just felt like in true fallout secret sauce style like wacky dark interesting has like a funny punchline at the end um it's these exact type of situations that we love to see in these kinds of games you know so that was one of my favorite moments Damn, I kind of want to go back and find that one out. That, to be that one was fun. You should watch a video <laughs> on it or something. It's, it's yeah. pretty good. Um, all right. Nitpicks. You can go first because I do have a, a, a short list here. Yeah, so I have a couple. Um, uh, this is kind of uh, something that you brought up in uh, from Cyberpunk, actually, and I kind of felt it in this game, too. For the most part, like it definitely didn't hurt to do this, but... I didn't find it very necessary to upgrade my weapons to keep them effective. Yeah. That was one. Some of the character designs I found to be really repetitive. Um, like I would recognize faces on different NPCs or like this might be more of a comment on me and like my hairstyle choice, but I think I picked a very like obvious hairstyle choice. Cause like everyone's the same hair as me <laughs> um, guys and girls. Um, and I'm a little upset with, and I get that this is like not really their fault. It's more just deadlines fault and probably, you know, more than I'm sure the developers would have liked to not have to would have liked to remedy this, but there was so much that was cut out of the game and it really was evident. Um, Cause I, I remember I was playing the game and I was really surprised with kind of like, I think the pacing is really good right up until the end of the game. It really just kind of jumps out at you. And then you're at like the end, like the last two hours. Um, and that was actually a comment that was in the no clip podcast, or excuse me, no, no clip uh, YouTube documentary where they're saying like, yeah, we end up having to cut a lot, like cut out a whole world almost. And it kind of just led the ending to just kind of jump right out at you. Um, yep. So that, that was definitely something I picked up on while I was playing the game too. And I really wish that they could have had more content in there. Maybe they get to really expand on things the way they want in the DLC. And honestly, when I have time, I do, I want, I want to play the DLC at some point. So, um, it left me wanting more, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. They say that too, you know, and that's, that's, is that your list of nitpicks? You got anything else? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I, I agree with that. You know, um, if a game, leaves you wanting more because it was too short that's that is a good problem to have you know like make no mistake you know it's better to do that than to have like a really extended main storyline that just drags on drags on that's definitely not a a, that's definitely a bigger problem um but my nitpicks um i guess i'll I'll latch onto that one but my serious ones you know are the xbox one version is is pretty poorly optimized especially during some of those ending sections um my loading screen average time was 40 seconds 
on a loading screen. Yeah, it's so, long. Yeah, and I was telling Matt I'm earlier, on an SSD. It took me, like, maybe five seconds max. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. literally, like, so I, my journey when I'd, I'd boot it up, I'd boot up Outer Wilds when I wanted to play for the evening, boot it up, turn it on, hit a loading screen just to get to the main, you know, screen to start the game. Start the game, pick my save, hit another loading screen. So now I'm on the loading screen to get into the game. Get into the game. I need to fast travel somewhere probably immediately because I got an objective to do. Hit another loading screen because I got to get to the unreliable interior. Then I go travel somewhere where I need to go and then hit an, then leave the unreliable, hit another loading screen. So I'm averaging like basically three to four minutes before I could even play the game when I booted up. And that yeah, was like, yeah. that was pretty rough to be honest. I mean, like once it kind of got going, I'd like, I don't know, maybe I'd have a beer or I'd be on my phone or I'd be able to kind of like remedy. And I'm, you know, I played the game on my Xbox, so I'm able to like sit on my couch and kind of like kick back and it's a relaxing, slow evening anyway. So if I get into that mindset, it's not the worst thing, but oh my God, 40 seconds is a long time, of it, yeah. especially near the end. No, uh, it is right. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that's a fair critique because I'm sure a lot of the people that played this game had that similar experience because when it came out, I mean, I don't. Maybe some of the newer Xbox ones, like the Xbox Series X, I think. No, Xbox One X and then the PS4 Pro. Maybe those had SSDs. Maybe. I'm not I, sure. Yeah, I don't know. But um, it, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure a lot of people played it had the exact same. The majority of people probably yeah. played it had that same issue. Yeah. So um, anyway, it is what it is. Uh, once the game is going, it's great. Once you're in the world and the environments, like fighting and everything, there's no no problems there. It's not like Cyberpunk where your frame rate drops to five when you enter a fight. So at least that's yeah. at least that's good. Yeah. Um, and my other nip... No, my arm hit. We're okay. we're okay. We're okay. I, I kicked the, my desk. All right, right. We're, we're all good. It's okay. We could we can cut this I'm out. Sorry, we'll cut, dude. we'll cut it out. Hey, I'm actually editing this one, so yeah. Sorry, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, and my last one. Uh, this is this feels like legitimate legitimate cut content from the game. Um, the spaceship. They missed a big opportunity with with the spaceship. It's basically a fast travel hub, like. You don't fly it. Like, you do not fly your oh. spaceship. It's a yeah, fast travel yeah. hub. Like, that's a huge oversight. Like, we're, I'm not asking for, yeah. like, Kingdom Hearts, like, style where you have to shoot your way and, like, fight your way to every planet, like, on some lame, like, shooter style thing. But, well, like, it would have been cool if they had something like that and then you unlock fast travel, like, how you do in Kingdom Hearts. Or, like, even a simple thing where you're just, like, cruising through space kind of pretty nonchalantly, like you would in, say, Outer, Outer Wilds, right? Yeah. Um, that would have been cool, or like, and then like, if every planet was within, you know, like visible eye distance from one another. Yeah, because I mean, you don't you don't need it to be super realistic, right? Yeah. Um, this game, like Outer Wilds, was not super realistic in like the distances covered inside your solar system. But no, this this game legit like, it's a space game. You're a spaceship captain. Yeah. You're in space, and you do not fly your spaceship, which is like the center core of the game, because your spaceship is just a fast travel hub. Which, I don't know. I I don't. I, I don't know if, and I don't. They don't mention this in the documentary, but there was quite a bit of cut content from the game, mm. um, just because the dev cycle did take a little longer than they expected with the Unreal Four engine. But man, there was a real missed opportunity there with the with the spaceship for sure. So, yeah. um, you know, it's probably I, I I don't feel I feel like everyone might feel this way, or they might feel like something's missing. But I definitely felt like when I first got into the spaceship, wait, so I just 
go to the other planet? Is that it? You don't even dock on the other planet. You're like, see a view of it, and then you exit your ship, and then you're on that planet. I think that was like just weird. Um, so that's 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 the nitpick. Yeah. All right. Uh, final conclusive thoughts. I think we kind of covered everything. You got anything? Loved it. Reminded yeah. me of Fallout New Vegas, but you know, just I won't say better, but stands right up next to it. Yeah. I think they're both great games. I won't put one over the other, but loved it. I agree. Yep. Final clues and thoughts. Great game. Great RPG. Totally nails the great Fallout Secret Sauce tone of comedy, humor, and uh, dark darkness in it. You know, um, great game. All right, Matt. Now is the time where we rate the game. Okay. For those of you that are unfamiliar with the thanks for playing rating system, Matt and I are both going to give the game a score out of 10. Add that up. Give it a score out of 20. Put it in a specific Naruto-themed tier, and that becomes the official rating of the game, superseding everything, including IGN, GameSpot, and whatever whatever the hell else is out there. Okay, Matt, final final rating on the game. Three, two, one, eight. Nine. Okay. Okay. You see, I was actually going to give it an eight. Okay. And then I remembered I gave Cyberpunk an eight. Oh, God. <laughs> and, and in retrospect, I think I'd give that game a seven. I, I gave it a lot of hate. I, I, in retrospect, I, gave, I would give that game a seven, I think. Not I an eight. What I, I probably gave um, it a six. I'd have to check. I think you gave it a six or a five. Yeah. Um, but I really loved Outer Worlds. My only real complaint is I wish it was a little bit longer. Yeah. And it could be longer if you want to do more side quests and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, the, totally. reason, the reason I'm giving the game an eight is, um, you know... Uh, it, yeah, I, I just, it's hard to get over like the poor optimization there. The fast travel thing that I just mentioned, that's just more of like a missed opportunity. But like, yeah, when I, when I'm, when I have to boot up the game and then kind of wait four or five minutes to play it, that really does mess with the experience quite a bit. And, um, it, it's, it's just really tough to, to over, overlook that one. It's a good score on the Lucas scale. So, yeah, you, you take what yeah. you can get on the Lucas scale. Yes, me. <laughs> It, it is a, you are notoriously much more of a hard hitter than uh, <laughs> your boy, your boy, Matt. This here. this puts this in the uh, Kakashi guy zone. Uh, a great Naruto. zone. That's a good zone. That's where it's you want to, they almost, zone. they almost um, took it all the way. They almost, uh, they almost went all the way. <laughs> they almost went all the way. <laughs> Wait, what's after K- Kakashi guy again? The Naruto Sasuke the zone. Naruto Sasuke obviously. Zone, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the most then, powerful zone. The, okay. m- no. The most powerful zone is the Mikula Grand Coats Award at 20. That's true. Um, but so far, I think only... Two games. Two games, Undertale and Journey have gone. What did you give, Doki Doki? I think I gave it a nine. Did I give it a nine? Or I must have gave it a nine. Whatever. I, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We've been playing a lot of good games lately. We haven't really given low scores in a long time. Maybe we should, uh, we should play a bad one soon. You know what's interesting? I don't think you and I have both given a game a bad score. It's usually one or the other. Uh, like a game that we both universally hated? Us two universally? Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Um, there's got to be one soon. we gotta do, We got to set that up or something. <laughs> Just a screaming at each other. It was bad. It's I, a, know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that would actually be a sick episode. Yo, okay, yeah. guys. If you have a suggestion of a game that we probably both would hate, you could email us at Matt, where can they reach us online? So everyone, you can find us online at uh, Instagram and Twitter at TFP Podcast. That's TFP Podcast with an S at the end. Or you may shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. Alternatively, 
you may find two archived clips from old episodes on TikTok. Oh, my God. Um, thanks for playing Pod. And you can find your good buddy Matt on Twitter, at Good Idea Matthew. And don't forget to go into the link tree on our Instagram or our Twitters, and Twitters on our Twitter, and uh, to join the Thanks for Playing Discord. It's popping, it's lit, it's a good time. That's right. Lucas, where can That's we right. find you? Uh, I can be found at Instagram and Twitch and Discord. You can find me at uh, Instagram and Twitch at Good Idea Lucas. Uh, not really streaming that much these days. If I am going to be streaming, it will be streaming to the Discord server. So you can find me maybe playing League of Legends or playing some Valorant with Matt on there. Um, maybe we should get a melee session in pretty soon for the fans. That'd be pretty fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. We, we got we to gotta plan that out pretty soon. Well, yeah. we will be for sure. If we are planning that out, it will be mentioned in the Discord. If we are streaming it, it will be in the, what is it going to be in, Matt? The Discord. The Discord. That's right. Okay, everybody. Matt, take us away. As always, everyone, this has been Thanks for Playing. Catch you next time. Skip it up! Thanks for Playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch Red Circle 